if the guest is super, super happy, but the kitchen can't for the life of them figure out, you know, what you ordered to get you the right thing, or like they're spending too much time dealing with the order, that means the end-to-end doesn't work. So how do we put metrics on the end-to-end experience and track the metrics for these end-to-end experiences? And then how do we involve these leaders in these conversations to make trade-offs on the experience side in ways that optimize for the end-to-end versus for the silo? Welcome back to another episode of Design to Be Conversation presented by Design to Be and hosted by Design to Be co-founder and CEO, me, Rachel Weissman. In this show, I have conversations with design leaders about how they continue to learn, grow, and skill build throughout their careers. Each episode will not only help you navigate your career more effectively, but they will even enable you to build better products as a result. Let's dive into it. After 65 episodes, today's show is the last episode of our podcast, Designed to Be Conversation. There are big shifts happening behind the scenes with Designed to Be. And closing the chapter on our podcast will allow us to take the proper next steps to what's ahead. I want to thank each of you for listening to the show over the past couple of years. We wouldn't have grown in the way that we did without your support. So thank you. Now let's dive into our final episode. In this episode, I chat with Jehad Afene. Jehad is a design and product leader who's led design, product, and engineering teams, most recently at VMware and Splunk. He is currently Chief Design Officer at Toast, where he leads the product, customer, and end-to-end experience that empowers tens of thousands of restaurants to delight their guests, do what they love, and thrive. He lives with his wife in Redwood City, California. Welcome, Jehad, to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So when we were chatting about different topics to dive into, you suggested that we talk about end-to-end experiences versus org structures. And that topic specifically very much resonated with me because so many times I felt like the products that I was part of that I was building were a reflection of the org structures that I was sitting in. And equally, I found it quite admirable when folks could do the opposite. So not just ship their org structures. But before diving into that topic, I'd love for folks to give a bit more color of of you, who you are as a designer, what brought you into design. So I'm curious if you can share the first moment when you decided that you wanted to be a designer. I think it's one of those things where you, like, you've always known you wanted to be a designer. You just didn't know that a designer was a thing. When I talk to designers, there's always like a wavy way of ending up as a designer that doesn't necessarily start that way. So for me, it started with writing. I really wanted to be a journalist because I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to tell stories of my community and the people around me. And I felt like writing is such a good outlet for both expressing yourself and sharing with others the stories that you know or have heard of or you can investigate. So that was, you know, the dream. And the more I did what I thought was journalism online, the more I thought early on, even as a kid, the more I enjoyed the process of getting things out there as much as I enjoyed the writing piece of it. So 
you know, how do you build a website? How do you write the code for it? How do you design it in a way where people enjoy actually reading what you're writing? How do you look at data of what resonates with people versus what doesn't? And the more I did that, the more I actually enjoyed the engineering part of it. So I started my career as an engineer. I started computer science. I wanted to do engineering. And the more I went into engineering, the more I realized as much as I enjoy writing code and solving complex problems, I actually enjoy the user experience part of it. Like I enjoy figuring out how do these problems materialize for customers? How do people use the software that you're building? And design systems was actually the intersection for me of moving from an engineer to a designer. Uh, hey, I can use my skills as an engineer, but it's still the outcomes are very directly tied to people around me who can use it to build experiences. And from there, I you know, transitioned into design and realized actually design is, is really what is so powerful and what makes me kind of solve these complex problems in interesting ways. So I don't know if that's the first moment. <laughs> that's the story of the transition to design. I'm curious. So uh, a lot of folks that I've spoken with, whether it be on this show or otherwise, have had various career arcs, career shifts. Was it ever difficult for you or was there any friction of like sadness or anything of leaving engineering and getting into design systems or leaving design systems and getting into design? Or just for me personally, upon doing any of these transitions, we can tell the story and it's oh so graceful, but then in the thick of it and for folks listening who are likely going through career transitions themselves, any ways that you started to think about that? Yeah, it's interesting. Yes, it, it's not always an easy transition. Like the story, uh, <laughs> like you can connect the dots back a lot easier than you would be able to connect them forward. But I think the awesome thing about building software is that you actually don't have to always leave things behind. You can use those skills in different ways. So like I still write a lot, both privately for like to organize my thoughts internally at Toast as I get ideas out there. And even publicly, as I write, you know, whether it's, it's a, as small as a tweet or a blog or something, but I haven't left the part I like about journalism of telling a story behind. I just use it differently. I think of engineering the same, which is, I think, you know, uh, I joke that I'm bilingual in design and engineering when I work with teams. And now I use engineering in a way where, like, the systems part of engineering, the understanding, the underlying technology, those pieces of engineering. I don't write code as much anymore, but... I haven't left my engineering mindset behind. I just use the skills differently. I don't know if there's something after design too, but I would think like the problem-solving skills of design, the having an eye for what we should remain skills that you can use regardless of the next transition. The hump of actual transition is sometimes difficult of like knowing, you know, you don't write code anymore. You can't actually do the things <laughs> you want to do on keyboard. But like what part of that did you really enjoy that you want to keep remains an option. That's very powerful when you're dealing with software versus other careers where like the change is a lot more stark or you know you actually have to leave behind one career to move into the other. Completely. And I think also just in today's like competitive job arena, having these transferable skills can make you a much more in this case a well-rounded designer. In your case, you have that aspect from engineering, you have that aspect from design systems, you have that aspect from writing and can really have a much more well-rounded view of how you're, in your case, supporting your team. Yeah. I mean, I think the best thing about designers is that many of us come from multiple different backgrounds, sometimes more than one. And, you know, the way we design software has a lot of similarities to the way 
those other careers materialize. Like if you're into writing, design starts with a Google Doc, not a Figma file. If you're into uh, engineering or you started as an engineer, you have a lot of power into understanding the systems you're designing for and building things that can ship maybe easier, better, in different ways. If you came from art, you have a different perspective on what it means to deliver experiences that people enjoy looking at as much as they enjoy using. So regardless of what your background is, especially if you have multiple backgrounds before getting to design, which a lot of designers do, it's such a powerful thing to have a different perspective, a diverse perspective on the problem-solving exercise than, you know, just having been a designer. I mean, I think that's true for engineering too, by the way. I think some of the best engineers I've ever worked with caught into engineering because, yeah, they love writing code, they love solving complex problems, but they also love materializing things into software, which is a different mindset than just code is the end of it. So I want to start to get into the topic that we were chatting about a bit earlier. Can you provide a little bit of context of one, what that means of having an end-to-end experience versus shipping your org structure? What that even means of if folks are like, we just ship our product, what are you talking about? Yeah, I think it's Conway's law that like every organization ends up shipping their org structure. Um, and if you think about like large organizations in particular or, or large companies in particular and what you've used from their products, you can very likely, very quickly sit down just using the products, never worked for that company, never having interacted with anybody who works for that company, just having some experience in how software gets developed. You can look at their product portfolio and feature portfolio if you use that for a while, and you can likely draw a pretty accurate org structure for that company at the time that piece of software was released. And a big part of the reason is, like, as humans... It's very difficult to build things when a very large amount of people in, get involved. So our solution to that is we silo. Instead of putting 5,000 people in a problem, which is almost impossible to coordinate, you put 5,000 people into 50 problems or 100 problems or you know 500 problems, depending on, on what you're trying to solve. The impact of that is automatically, okay, every 50, 100 people are siloed into their area. And you know the question becomes, okay, siloing gets us a lot more effective execution because people are more focused, they know the scope of their problem, they understand the guardrails of what they can change versus what they can't, which is the only way we know so far of shipping software. The challenge with that is, you know, they're so focused that they might not look up and say, okay, yeah, like this makes perfect sense for this this specific experience that I'm shipping, but a user does not just use my experience, they use four or five different experiences to form the solution they want. They're not always the same five. And it's not always the same user. So how do we think about these connected end-to-end experiences, which is actually how users experience our software? They experience an end-to-end piece of software that was developed by multiple teams, each siloed focusing on their area. And there is this balance of the more you go horizontal looking across the board, the less execution effectiveness you get. And the more you go vertical, very focused on execution, the less end-to-end experience you get. It's a challenge. Like there's no company that does this perfectly that I'm aware of all the time. I'd love for you to share an example of maybe a company that maybe takes a more horizontal approach and then a company that takes a very verticalized specific approach. I think Apple is the one that's known for, you know, thinking of an ecosystem play or like an end-to-end experience play. If you've ever used iMessages on Mac, iPhone, and iPad, 
you get that experience. If I can send a message on my phone because I was just walking to my office, I put my phone on the desk and I log into my computer and do some work. Someone replies, I get that message on the laptop. I respond to it, but I need to attach a picture from my phone. I pick up my phone just back, back and forth. If you think about it, the Mac, like, I don't know how Apple looks like from the inside, but it's unlikely that the team that's building the iMessage software on my phone is exactly the same team that's building it on my laptop and that the team that's building uploading images is the same. Like, there are multiple teams involved, but it feels like an end-to-end experience built to optimize for my needs versus to optimize for the org structure that produced that experience, which is pretty difficult and which is why, you know, you could argue that Apple ships a lot less into an experience than other companies per year. Like there are, there's the reveal every year of what it, these experiences look like, <laughs> but arguably better than other companies. And you can contrast that with Google, where like search is amazing. The search technology is amazing. Google Docs suite is great. But then as you look at inside of Google Docs, you can quickly start to get a sense of, you know, the Google Drive team is a very, very separate team from Google Docs. You can start getting a sense of like search and Google Drive is very separate from search and Google. You can still immediately start telling that actually the themes of between these experiences are pretty obvious. And, you know, that might not be a bad thing, by the way, depending on what you're optimizing for as a company, as a business. But from a user perspective, you're experiencing these paper and razor cuts between these experiences. Can you share a little bit more about that, that friction or, the, or that choice between the business decision versus what a user goal might be? I think different teams and different companies at different times optimize for different things. So for example, if you're internally feeling like, hey, we're not shipping fast enough and we're spending too much time looking for alignment, we really would need to focus. So we're going to structure these teams that are super focused on specific missions or specific goals. And we're optimizing for speed and agility because we don't have it today. You automatically start seeing the background of that into, okay, but like, how do we connect these teams and keep them connected? So who owns that end-to-end experience story? And same is true when you say like, oh, look, we're shipping really well. We're shipping in teams. These teams are shipping very, very quickly and doing a great job then we look at the opposite of that and say, okay, but it's taking us a bit longer to ship because we have to think of these intuitive experiences and dependencies between these teams increase. It's a pretty difficult balance. And we're organized as organizations to optimize by default for siloing because the metrics we track are around how much do you ship, how fast do you ship, how fast are you able to respond to business metrics and pressure experience metrics are not always as clear in companies so like you know even for apple you feel it when you use it but like if you put a feature list against a different system the features are the same like they have a thing on their phone we have a thing on our phone they have a thing on their laptop we have a thing on our laptop yeah like the message is delayed on the laptop by a few minutes because we have the syncing system in the background that's developed by another team so like if you put a feature list down it could look exactly the same the ability to draft that experienced workflow and translate that into execution is, is what makes this difficult, I think. I'm curious how you're thinking about this at your current role or how you've thought about this in previous roles. There isn't a right answer for every company at every stage. There is a balance between how do we create enough 
focused teams that have healthy triads. So the combination of design, product, and engineering, as well as healthy stakeholder relationship with marketing and, and sales and customer care and all of these other go-to-market teams that make those experiences possible. Teams that have clear understanding of the customer problem they're solving and the business metric they have ownership over. And they're able to tie these customer problems and business metrics to a larger umbrella that they're within. So if you work on the Google Drive team, understanding that you're part of that larger ecosystem of a workspace. And then that these teams have the right collection of frameworks and, and experiences that they're working with, whether it's design systems, whether it's patterns, whether it's a clear understanding of human-centered guidelines. And then that there is a process by which the key end-to-end -end experiences are always the focus of the team. Not every experience is an end-to-end -end experience necessarily, or a multi-team end-to-end experience. Not every experience is super key to feeling connected across the board. So what are these experiences and ensuring that there are owners that are able to look across these teams and drive that into an experience. I think that makes all of the difference because at the end of the day, you do need, I don't know, 60, 70% of teams to be focused on what they're doing within that context of what we call a silo versus everybody's working across the board and into an experiences with dependencies that will prevent you from ever shipping if a single team doesn't get it 100% right. We are going to take a short break to hear an exciting update from design to be design to be has been researching and ideating on a digital product. We're super excited about what's in the works, but we need your help. We are looking to chat with heads of design, design managers, and IC designers to better understand the design process at your organization. If you are open for a 30-minute call with me and or Design to Be's co-founder and CTO, Keith Stevens, head to designtobe.com forward slash app to join our waitlist. That's D-E-S-I-G-N-T-O-B-E dot com forward slash A-P-P. After adding your name to the waitlist, we'll then follow up via email. Over a short call, we'll share what we're building, get your feedback, and learn more about your team's design process. These calls directly impact the future of what we're building at design to be So thank you for your support, and we're excited to continue to build design to be together. Now, back to the show. From my personal experience and from chatting with so many heads of uh, VPs, et cetera, of design, one, it's hard to get headcount, period. But then two, to then uh, advocate for a role that would sit more in a horizontal manner that would be this end-to-end -end experience. I'm curious how you suggest folks think about that or how you've had conversations to advocate for ensuring that. There is this end-to-end -end experience that's happening? Honestly, it really depends on the maturity of the company and maturity of the design team and maturity of the you know, product organization. I use product as product management, engineering, and design. And it depends on the industry you're in. Like, I've been in enterprise software before where sometimes the end-to-end -end experience is not the top focus. I've been in places where actually the end-to-end -end experience is what's make it or break it for a consumer-facing experience. So it, it depends. Like, is the end-level ROI obvious or not? Before kind of calculating the ROI of resources or time. 
That's one. The other one is, I think, a lot of times it's hard to imagine what an intern experience is until you experience it. And a lot of designers argue this in the context of like, well, Apple does this, so I should be able to. And it's a very difficult argument because, <laughs> you know, like Apple prints money and Apple has a lot of like a history rooted in its culture. around Like it's a very far comparison. I think showing an example internally makes a huge difference of like, here's what this experience could be. And here's the feedback on that experience. And here's how it would materialize in, re in a real world. And not the blue sky experience that like we're going to spend the next 12 years building, but like an actual material change that can happen. Customer feedback and empathy makes a huge difference. I believe Bob Baxley shared this, but the combination of qual, quant, and your personal judgment is a powerful combination. So looking at data alone, you might not find the answer. Looking at just qual conversations sound anecdotal. And then even with both of these combined, sometimes there is a you know, I've done this before, I've experienced this before, and I'm able to share from my experience. But that combination is quite powerful. Using that example, telling the stories from customers and, and the data that can support that example, and then using that example to generalize on, here's what we could ship. But here is what we could ship in those specific experiences. Even if you show an example, you show the data that it's better. I think some design teams jump directly into, and here's how we should be doing this across the board for everything. And that lead is very, very large. Like it's going from we ship solid experiences to we ship into experiences overnight. It doesn't happen versus going from we ship solid experiences. Let me show you an example of what an intern looked like. And here are the four, three, five experiences that we're going to focus on this year because they're make it or break it for the company. And then, you know, have a three-year plan instead of a one-year plan of how to get there. It makes a huge difference. And then the last piece I would say is working with process and operations team in a company is powerful working on what metrics are we tracking to measure that into an experiences is very important once those into experiences start materializing whether you're using heart whether you're using you know uh, customer experience focused metrics whether you're using collaborating with customer care and looking at customer tickets and ticket deflection and satisfaction other things but materializing it into like, this is actually making impact on the bottom line versus just a feel better experience is huge. I'd love if you could share an example of something that either someone on your team or you've done in the past of what you've just shared. I feel like ex examples really help to ground us in a little more truth of like, okay, how can I apply this to my day to day? So a time when you were noticing, okay, this is maybe a little siloed and then made a suggestion that sparked some change? Yeah, I think some of that that we're doing today at Toast is thinking through, if you think about a restaurant and you think about an end-to-end experience for a restaurant, and let's start from the guest perspective. So Toast's main persona is the restaurant, but think about it from the guest perspective. You walk into a restaurant, let's say it's a restaurant that uses our order and pay software, which is basically you sit down at the table, you scan a QR code and you order what you'd like. If you think about the end-to-end, that is the portion of the, the guest experiences. So you sit down at the table, you scan your QR code, you order something, you know, you get it, uh, a burger. And then that order now appears in the kitchen, whereas there is, there is a kitchen display system that order appears, the, the, the chef in the kitchen needs to be clear that you don't want lettuce and, and you want it with extra onion or whatever, whatever you'd like. There is the payment system of like, okay, you pay for it at the end of the day and it's closed. And there is the loop back to the guest of you got your food, you enjoyed your meal, 
you can give a tip and close your check very quickly. Very oversimplified end-to-end. But if you think of that end-to-end experience, the teams that own this are pretty different. So there is a team that's focused on the guest experience of what you sit down and, and look at the guest experience independently. There's a team that's focused on kitchen operations, not just for guests. It's also for drive through It's also for order and takeout. It's also for other things. And there's a team that's focused on payments and ensuring you're closing your books and, and so on. As we think about this at Toast, we're thinking about how we have, on the design side at least, but obviously with triads, how do we have the design owners and architects that look across the board and their ownership is on the order and pay experience at the restaurant? So that includes what the guest team is doing, that includes what the kitchen team is doing to make that end-to-end experience successful. And their job is connect the dots, so make sure that we're actually thinking of that end-to-end experience, look at the journey from a service design perspective and figure out like, you know, because things we didn't talk about in there is who's enabling the restaurant to know how these orders work. He's working with the restaurant to enable these features and so on. And then ensure that when we ship, we're measuring the end-to-end, not siloed metrics per experience alone. So like if the guest is super, super happy, but the kitchen can't for the life of them figure out, you know, what you ordered to get you the right thing or like they're spending too much time dealing with the order, that, that means the end-to-end doesn't work. So how do we put metrics on the end-to-end experience and track the metrics for these end-to-end experiences? And then the last piece is how do we involve these leaders in these conversations to make trade-offs on on the experience, sorry, in ways that optimize for the end-to-end versus for the silo? Like, for example, the biggest challenge could be that the guest is unhappy, but the reality is the reason they're unhappy is because their food is not getting out quickly. And the reason that's happening is we're not optimizing well on the kitchen display for what needs to be ordered for people in-house versus takeout. So like drafting that map of even though you're seeing the pain in one place, the solution may be in another is, is very, very powerful. That's a key experience for us that we're focused on. That's the, like the balancing the different pieces with the end-to-end. It makes complete sense. And so kind of mirroring back, but the core of what it comes back down to is what to measure. And really advocating for those horizontal KPIs in addition to the vertical downstream product feature-based as well. I think one useful thing for every designer to think about is the experience almost 100% of the time does not start with your team and does not end with your team. So if you take that as a fact, just thinking one step before and one step after is already one step in the right direction for an end-to-end experience. Like what happens for someone to scan a QR code or whatever the experience is and what happens after like my experience ends? If you just take that into account, you'll likely have a couple conversations with a couple of different teams to measure the right thing, uh, regardless which company or which team you're working on. So you gave a couple examples of how things currently are where some teams are more horizontal, some teams are more vertical feature-based and some kind of in the middle. I'm curious where you see things going with the shifts in the market, with the shifts in technologies, with the shifts of design. Do you see a future where shipping more org structures? Do you see a future that's weaving in more end-to-end experiences? I'm sure it. the answer has somewhat of it depends. Yeah. I think it will always be easier to ship our org structure, which is, by the way, for design leaders, something to think about as you think about how your org looks like. Like going against the grain on how the org looks like versus what we want to ship is very, very difficult. No org is perfect. All org structures are imperfect. 
but how you think about your org structure is a very good indication of how close you're going to get to an, into an experience. But the second piece, I think the good news is that the bar for experience only goes up. So the more companies compete in any certain industry, the more they start competing on the experience versus anything else. You know, you start competing on technology, that technology becomes a commodity. You start competing on price, that price becomes a commodity. You get to a point where you're competing on the experience itself. And the experience could, be, could mean different things, right? Like when Google started, the search technology was the experience. Like the bar and an empty white page wasn't really what mattered. It's the idea that like the world knowledge is at your finger. It did search better than anything else. But once page ranking became a thing and like, you know, you can do the same. It became, how do you offer a better both technological and product experience? You search like how old is Joe Biden or how long has Joe Biden been president? You get an answer. You don't even have to get to a link. The bar is going to continue to go higher in experience. The challenges design teams need to think about is, one, how do you understand the maturity and industry you're competing in? So you design your growth path over the next one to three years for your company versus for the blog post or some talk that you've heard. Because I think it's easy to aspire to the end game versus where you are. And two, Deeply understanding the business makes a lot of difference. Understanding who you're competing with, what actually matters to your users, how much technology advancement you have versus how much experience you need to compete on. How much behind are you in technology where, where experience can't fill the gap? So understanding what the business is actually competing on is super important because sometimes actually we're, like, we're so far on technology that the experience is not the most important thing in the world. It doesn't mean, you know, that's a company you want to work for. It doesn't mean that's a company that is exciting, but it's still important to understand because maybe what you need to optimize for is how do you simplify that technology to the user? Like it's not about the end-to-end experience. It's, it's about actually, you know, reducing complexity. But understanding that business and where you are in the journey, in my mind, is the first step before, okay, are you competing on end-to-end experience? Are you competing on pure, just enabling technology? Are you competing on value? Like what value are you actually living the users? I don't think designers are going to be out of a job anytime soon in the larger scale of things, obviously macroeconomics aside. But I think if anything, design is more in demand than ever before. I think more and more companies are realizing the value that experience, let's put design as a discipline aside, the value that experience brings. Like if you think about, you know, consumers always want an experience, but if you think about enterprise companies, more enterprise companies have more designers than ever before. Part of that is the growth of the discipline and understanding it. But part of that is, you know, companies that started 20 years ago or 30 years ago that competed purely on technology are getting to a point where that's not enough. In addition to, there are multiple companies that have proven the business model of, I'm not going to go to the buyer. I'm going to go to the user. And I'm going to win the user and make the user advocate for me internally within the company. I can think of Slack as an example of that. And that has changed the model for a lot of companies on, you know, I want to compete both on the buyer and the user piece, which changes the paradigm of, you know, where does design play? Does design play to make the website look better for the buyer on the marketing team? Or does design play in the like, let's make this an amazing experience that users don't want any other product in the same category. So my experience has been that design as a discipline is more popular than ever. Obviously, macroeconomics aside on how it's impacted similar to other fields. I resonate with with everything you said. And just to really underscore 
the place that you work at and what their competitive edge is. Because really every organization is completely different. And I know, especially early on in, in my career, that's not something that crossed my mind at all. <laughs> like not even for a second. And there are all these uh, much higher level business dynamics that are at play that impact the way that design is one perceived within an organization, but also the value that you can have as a designer, but then also how you can start to think about crafting certain experiences or guiding your team to craft certain experiences based on what your company's edge is. Yeah, sometimes we confuse the conversation about design with the conversation about customers and assume that the more we're talking about design, the more likely we're doing better for the customers. And that's not always true. It really depends on what customers. It really depends on does design as an organization deeply understand the customers of this company and the potential customers that we want to go after versus the generic aspirations of design community. Like the separation of the community conversation and the overall direction of design as a discipline from the conversation around design in this company at this stage for their maturity level are not always the same. And the things that you may be able to do, I don't know, at Apple are not the same things you do at Google. It's not because one is better than the other. It's because there are different steps of their journey, delivering to just different customers, using different level of technology advancement and different levels of product value. And understanding that chain is very important to understand, okay, and here's my role as a designer. The same exact designer could have two different roles between company A and company B, or should be advocating for two different things company A and company B, depending on that stack of value they're expected to deliver. How would you recommend folks start to get a more holistic understanding and view of this arena of their company that we've been talking about? I think one of the most useful things any designer can do is have conversations beyond their, obviously with their triads and R&D teams, but beyond their R&D teams. Like, one of the first questions I think for designers to think about is, when was the last time you talked to your product marketing partner, to your customer care partner, to your sales partner, to your customer success partner, to your field team? And if the answer is more than a month, then you probably don't actually fully understand customers. And the reason I say this is, obviously, this is not instead of, it's an addition to a conversation with customers. So it's not enough to talk to internal teams on behalf of talking to customers or instead of talking to customers. But the conversation you're having with a customer or an end user who is using the software is not necessarily the full picture of what your company or the way your business is structured to sell to customers, to contract with them, to get value out of them. And I think that gets a lot more complicated outside of consumer. But even within consumer, if you think about, I buy an iPhone, I use an iPhone, you can talk to me as a user of an iPhone, but I'm also the person that walks into a retail store and makes a decision on do I buy this phone or not. I'm also the person who decides to upgrade once every two years or once every three years. I'm also the person who, when I call customer care and I'm frustrated about some experience I've had with my iPhone, I'm not calling the R&D team at Apple. And I think some of that gets lost in data. So when you get, you know, 93% of people are satisfied with this. You're missing the story of the 7% who are unsatisfied, who may be just the canary in the gold mine of like, what is actually frustrating? You also miss the human element to it. 
And the, generally, the sales, customer care, customer success, field teams are super close to these customers and have some sentiment that can share. They're also closer in, enterprise, in non-consumer companies. They're closer to the non-user motion of the experience, how customers buy, how customers decide who we're competing with. Why is this feature not working in the market, even though we think it's the best thing ever? How are we talking about it? How are we positioning it from a marketing perspective? What's in the experience that's preventing us from positioning it as a better product? These conversations, your customers are unlikely to tell you the same way that your product marketing partner might. I was just having flashbacks to previous roles I've had where I'm like, I never just spoke with product marketing once. Not once. Maybe at like an all hands kind of situation. I knew they existed. Uh, but, But outside of that, not at all. Not at all. So yeah, I, I love it. I love it. And it's a great place for folks to get their gears turning on this. Yeah. And by the way, they're happy. Most of the time, they're happy to speak to you. They would love to have impact on the experience. So it's often a great partnership waiting to happen. Completely. So shifting into a closing question, and this kind of builds off of what we were talking about before, but maybe it can go in a different direction. If uh, you could ask one thing of uh, folks listening in relation to what we spoke of today, so maybe one thing that they could get started, one thing that they could think about, what would it be? I think like maybe a couple of questions. I think one is what is the end-to-end experience you're working on today? And I think the goal of that question is to think about if the answer is, okay, here's the experience that my team owns, that's probably not the right answer. So like what is the end-to-end experience or experiences depending on which team you're on if you're on a foundational team, what are the end-to-end experiences that you're working on today? And it's not a trick question. It's more of a, you should be able to sit down and list three, four end-to-end experiences that your team is contributing to. And if you're unable to, that's a chance for you to look up and think about like, okay, you know, outside of my world, what am I actually impacting, whether I know of it or not? And the second question I think is very helpful is who's your first team? And In my experience, a lot of designers answer is that my first team is the design team. Unless you work on like design ops or some team that's truly focused internally, that's often the wrong answer or the answer that creates even further siloing, even within the silos that exist. Because if you're a product designer, user researcher, most of the time, your first team is your partners in product management, engineering, product marketing, sales field that are working on that end to end. And then once you answer that question, if the answer is design or the answer is something else, you start realizing some of what he realized is, is or, and I've realized earlier in my career is like, oh, you know, crap, I haven't talked to these people in a long time. Like I work with them. I ship stuff with them. I design things that they ship. I read the requirements, but actually I haven't sat down like as a team and had a discussion about what we're shipping and why and how and, and so on. And if that's the case, that's a very powerful first step into okay, like let's think together about what the end-to-end looks like. Amazing. Thank you so much for, for your insights, your thoughts, and your time, Jihad. I really value this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. That wraps up our final episode of Design to Be Conversation. Thank you so much for listening, whether you just joined for our last episode or have been listening for over the past couple of years. If you're curious to stay in the loop about Design to Me moving forward, 
head to designtobe.com and sign up for our mailing list. That is D-E-S-I-G-N-T-O-B-E.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you may listen, or share this episode with a fellow designer, your team, or on social, are all excellent ways to support the show. And as always, thanks for listening.